All right, let's be real for a moment. The church has been very good at telling you that you need to forgive, but we have been really bad at telling you how to forgive. Amen? You can amen that. That's okay. I know you're not warmed up yet this morning. I don't normally just jump in and start with the message. Normally, I give you a funny story or a little question, but I'll just be real with you. We've got too much ground to cover today. So we've got to dive right in. If you'll allow me, I'm just going to forego the silly stories and questions and stuff, because I'm here to see some people set free today. I, I know that there are people who are here, and listen, you're carrying around unforgiveness. People have hurt you. They have wounded you. They have done you wrong. They're close to you, or they're people that you cut out from a long time, and yet you're still attached to them because of the offense that you've been carrying around this whole time. And I just believe deep down in my bones that today, God wants to release you from from that. Today, God wants to show you not just why you need to forgive, but actually give you some handles, some practical steps that you can take starting right now so that you can actually forgive and be free. Anybody ready for that today? I hope so, because I certainly am. Look, uh, as a quick review of where we've been, I want to remind you that we said several weeks ago that offenses will come. Jesus said that. It's impossible for offenses not to come. People are going to do you wrong in life. That is just a fact of living in community with other people. And every time somebody does you wrong, it is an opportunity for offense. It is an opportunity to be hurt, to be betrayed, to be angry, bitter. And if we're not careful, this can turn into a rhythm of life where we are upset, offended, bitter, insecure, angry all the time. But we said how, uh, we talked about how God actually offers us forgiveness when we do him wrong. This is kind of a strange thought. We know that other people do us wrong, but we don't often consider the fact that we do God wrong. And when we do him wrong, when we sin, so to speak, God gives us grace, mercy, forgiveness, second chance, third chance, fifth chance. We talked about how important it is that we give to others what God has given to us. He is the well from which we are able to draw forgiveness when we aren't feeling particularly forgiven. Now, last week, we talked about what our responsibility is to toxic people. If you've got somebody in your life who is poisonous and they're continuing to harm you again and again and again, how should you handle that as a Christian? Is it ever okay to cut them out? Spoiler alert, if you missed the message, yes, there is a time. However, there's a lot of steps in between, you know, where you're at today and ghosting somebody that God wants you to walk through in an attempt to reconcile and salvage a relationship and to just honor Christ and show him to the people that you're struggling with with. But today, I want to talk about you. I want to help you to understand what it would mean to totally let go of the wounds and the hurts that you're carrying around. You may not be a poisonous person like we talked about last week, but you may have been poisoned by a poisonous person at some point. And so I want you to purge that poison. I want you to release and let go. I want you to walk in freedom every single day. So that's our goal for this morning. Now, in order to help you get there, we're gonna read a passage of scripture. We're big on the Bible here at Connect Church. I just think it's got the answers that we're really looking for. I mean, look, it's not going to tell you how to replumb your house if you got a problem there. But if your relationships are failing, if in your soul you're struggling, then I believe the Bible has answers. We just got to give it a hearing. So we're going to start reading this morning in Matthew chapter number 18. And in Matthew 18, Jesus gives this teaching on what to do when somebody does you wrong. What to do when somebody does you wrong. Now, we're not going to read his teaching this morning, but it is worth a reading. So this week, go back, read Matthew 18 on your own at some point, okay? Because what Jesus says here is so insightful, so impactful, I don't want you to miss it. 
But what we're going to do is we're actually going to hone in on a conversation that happens immediately after Jesus finishes this teaching on what to do when somebody does you wrong. So in verse number 21, Jesus has just said his concluding amen, and the crowd is like, cool, all right, let's go get lunch. Then Peter came to him, verse 21, and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, I really like the way that this is phrased, okay? How often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Because I think a lot of times we just think of sin in terms of us and God, right? If I sin, then I've upset God. I've broken some rule. I've, you know, missed the mark with him or whatever the case may be. And we think of sin only as vertical. But Peter points out here that sin is also horizontal. It is possible for you and I to sin against one another. Now, if that seems strange to you, if you're like, well, I've never thought about it in those terms. And I always thought of sin as like some big theological word and it just applies to me and God, then you've been misreading or misunderstanding the word sin. Because sin in Greek, which was the language that they were speaking in this particular conversation, that word is not a huge theological term. Did you know that? The word that's translated as sin is actually an archery term. Seriously, okay? And the word translated sin in the New Testament literally means to miss the mark to be just off the bullseye. That's really what it means. See, the picture is there is a target that you're aiming for. There is a bullseye that you're supposed to hit. And so you draw back your bow, you take aim, you let that arrow fly, but instead of hitting the red circle in the middle, you're just off to the side. Or you miss the target completely. The word sin literally means to miss the mark, to miss the target, that's it. Now, how many of you guys have ever missed the mark in your relationships? Or somebody has missed the mark in their relationship with you. You've had friends that have missed the mark before, haven't you? Yep, you have. Maybe your boyfriend has missed the mark once or twice in your relationship. He, he tried to buy you a, a good birthday gift, but you were like, bro, you missed the mark here. This was not good. I've told this story before. One time I bought my wife a surround sound system for her birthday. That was a gift for me. She didn't like it. I missed the mark, you know? You ask him, do I look good today? And he's like, uh, and you're like, you missed the mark there, buddy. You missed the mark. You've had parents miss the mark. If you are a parent, you have missed the mark. Sin is nothing more than missing the mark. There is a target. There is a bullseye. God calls us to personal holiness. And we're like, oh, I missed the mark. God calls us to sexual purity. Oh man, I missed the mark. God calls us to irrational generosity. Ah, I was close, but I missed the mark. Sin is nothing more than missing the mark. And Peter says, Lord, how many times should I forgive someone when they miss the mark? Or to keep this analogy going a little bit further, Peter says, look, God, when somebody misses the mark in my life, how many times should I give them another shot? What a good question. So many of you are wondering that right now. How do I deal with this missing the mark? Should I give them another shot? All that sort of stuff. And so he says, seven times? Now, look, it's important you understand here that this seven number was not arbitrary, okay? It wasn't just like he pulled a random number out of the sky. See, in Jesus' day, the rabbis taught that you were responsible for forgiving somebody a maximum of three times. 
And the reason they believed that is because they found this passage in the book of Amos in the Old Testament. And they saw that in this particular instance, God forgave people three times. And so the rabbis said, oh, well, God forgave these people three times. That must be what he wants us to do in every situation. Now, that's a bit of a leap. That's a bad way to read the Bible, but that's what they did. And so Peter comes along and he knows the rule in his culture is you forgive somebody three times. And on the fourth time, they've gone too far and you don't have to forgive them. So he wants some extra credit with Jesus. He wants to show Jesus that he's like really all about this life. And so he takes that first three, he doubles it, and then he adds one more for good measure. So he says, Lord, if somebody misses the mark with me, how many times should I give them another shot? Seven? And what he expects in this moment is for Jesus to say, seven? Whoa, nobody forgives seven times, Peter. Like three times, yeah, people will forgive three times. But if you forgive seven, like you're doing better than God, bro. Like that's amazing. Now, of course, that's not how Jesus responds though. Peter says, if somebody misses the mark, how many times should I give him another shot? Seven, expecting to be praised for his answer. Not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. All right, it's quiet because some of you are doing math. In your head, you're trying to multiply seven times 70. And I get it, I'm with you, man. Like math is not my strong suit. There are a few places in the Bible where this sort of thing happens and I'm like, Jesus, it is too early to be doing arithmetic, okay? So those of you guys who are mathematically inclined this morning, can you help me out here? Seven times 70 is? 490. If you have any trouble with that, seven times seven and add a zero. That's what I had to do. I don't even know if that's right, but it makes sense and it got me to the right number. So 490 times. Peter says, Jesus, should I forgive somebody seven times, which was already more than double the required amount according to his religion? And Jesus says, nah, bro, seven, you're just getting started. You need to be thinking like exponentially higher. Jesus elevates the expectation by orders of magnitude, essentially. And he says, listen, don't think in terms of like four, five, six, seven times. When somebody sins against you, you've got to be willing to forgive and keep on forgiving, even into the hundreds, the four or the five hundreds. Now, again, it's important to recognize here that Jesus is not saying 490 is the literal cutoff, okay? His point is not like, you better forgive somebody the 490th time. But once they sin against you 491 times, then they've missed the mark once too often and you can finally write them off. No, that's not his point. He is trying to communicate that no matter how often you think you should forgive somebody, no matter how hard it is or how deeply or, you know, how much of a stretch it is for us to forgive somebody who's missed the mark, God is actually calling us to go even further than what we might expect here, 490 times or more. See, Jesus is highlighting a truth that we seem to have lost sight of somewhere along the way. And that is that forgiveness is a primary spiritual um, discipline for a follower of Christ. Forgiveness is a primary spiritual discipline for a follower of Christ. If I asked you, what does a Christian believe? Okay, you'd probably start talking to me about an eternal, omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent God, right? You would, totally, I know you would. Or you'd be talking about Jesus who came and died in this substitutionary atonement you know, plan that God put into motion before the foundation of the world. Because I know you guys know all this stuff. That's what you would talk to me about. And if I said, what do Christians do? 
We've talked about what they believe. What do Christians do? You would say, well, they go to church, they sing worship songs, they read the Bible, they pray, maybe they give in the offering, they serve other people. That's what Christians do. But according to what Jesus teaches again and again and again in the New Testament, before we even think prayer and worship and Bible study and all that sort of stuff, we should be thinking forgiveness. What do Christians do? Christians forgive. Look at what he said here in Matthew chapter number five, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says this. This is mind-blowing, you guys. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, if you're at church and you're worshiping, dancing on the front row, lifting hands, hollering amen, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, there is beef, there is conflict, there is strife between you and any other person. He says, you uh, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. Do you have any idea what a huge statement that is? You're like, no, no, no. God wants me at church to worship. Yes, he does. But even before that, God wants you to forgive. He does. He wants you to be reconciled to the best of your ability with the people that are in your life. In fact, if you are carrying around unforgiveness, if there are broken relationships that you've never made any effort to mend or to release, then you cannot worship God the way that he wants to. I'll go even a step further, and I know some of you aren't going to like this, but I'm just gonna put it out there. You cannot be a Christian and carry around unforgiveness. You cannot do both. Because the whole point of our faith is that we are forgiven when we miss the mark. That's the whole point, you guys. And so if you don't believe that in your relationships horizontally, you don't really believe it in your relationships vertically. I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit's been stepping on my toes as I've prepared this message. And if my toes are going to get stepped on, then I'm going to make sure that yours do too, okay? You've you got to understand that uh, forgiveness is a primary spiritual discipline for a follower of Jesus. You must learn to forgive if you ever hope to be free. You must learn to forgive if you ever hope to be free. There is something wrong with people who can quote Bible verses and still hate their dad. There are people who are speaking in tongues and yet they have bitterness in their heart towards somebody else. There are those of you who are serious about your faith, man. You're all in, you're here every week. And yet, if your old business partner were to come walking down the aisle, you'd be ready to fight, you know what I mean? Listen, we've got to address this. We can't ignore it. We can't pretend like it doesn't matter because it has huge implications for our ability to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We serve a forgiving God. Therefore, we must be a forgiving people. I know that's not easy. And I know I promised you at the top of the message that I wasn't going to just tell you you need to forgive. I was going to tell you how you can actually start to do it. So let me do my best to help you with that with some principles from this passage and a couple of others, all right? First thing you've got to understand is that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice, okay? Now, this seems obvious. You're like, yeah, of course forgiveness is a choice. But if you really reflect on this, I don't think we believe this truly. I am just convinced that we think of forgiveness as a feeling or an emotion. It is something that wells up inside of us. And we say, okay, I no longer hate this person for what they did, so I guess I am ready to forgive them. 
If you have that mindset, then you are thinking about forgiveness as a feeling, not a choice. But forgiveness is literally something you choose to do to release someone from what they have done, the consequences, the negativity of what's going on. If you say, I will forgive them when I'm no longer upset or angry, can I tell you, you're gonna be waiting a really long time. Because we have this, uh, it's an amazing ability to carry around a fence for years. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a particularly strong guy, okay? You guys can probably tell that by looking at me. I tried to go to the gym, work out, get swole, all that. But like, I carry something heavy for a little while and I'm like, <sighs> you know, I struggle. But I can hold on to an offense now. I will carry that sucker around for decades. I've got no problem carrying that thing on my back and neither do you. We think that if I'll just, if I can get to the point where I'm no longer upset, angry, bitter, whatever, then I'm in the moment or the place where I need to forgive. But if that's your attitude, then you are hostage to the pain that you're carrying around. You have no choice but to sit around day after day after day and just check in. You're like, oh, am I still pissed at her? Yep, okay, not ready to forgive yet, maybe tomorrow. You are hostage to the pain that you carry around. So let me give you a principle here. And I want you to really think what I'm about to say. Just think through the implications of what I'm about to say. Forgiveness is the cause. Freedom is the effect. Forgiveness is the cause. Freedom is the effect. See, we tend to think about this backwards. We tend to say that forgiveness is the effect and freedom is the cause. If I could have freedom from the negativity, freedom from the event, if I could just learn to forget and forgive and move on, then I'd be free, then I would be ready to forgive. But that is backwards. Do you guys have to understand this. Freedom is the effect Forgiveness is the cause. You have to forgive before you can experience freedom. Quit waiting for freedom before you're willing to forgive. It doesn't happen that way. You've got cause and effect switched. That's why you carry around your burdens for decades. Because you think freedom comes first and forgiveness follows. And God says, no, 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 no. Forgiveness comes first. Freedom follows from that. I know this personally. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I know that when you sit in a crowd on Sunday morning, you're like, but Dan, you don't know what I've been through. And you're right, I don't. I don't know how you've been hurt and how you've been wounded. But can I tell you, I've seen my fair share of hurt and wounds, like really deep stuff. Look at my face, you guys. Do I look like somebody that's had a cushy, easy life? I do not. I can tell you that much, and I have not. When I was two years old, my biological mother walked out the front door and never came back. Like, Pulled the whole, hey, I'm going to go get milk. I'll see you guys in a bit. And disappeared for 26 years. I don't mean like uh, she left and went and got remarried and like she sent the Christmas cards and I got to see her on the weekends. I mean, I had zero contact with the woman who gave birth to me for 26 years. I didn't hear anything. I didn't know if she was alive. I didn't know if she was dead. I don't know. But can I tell you, as a little boy growing up, it is hard to believe that your mom didn't want you. You better believe I had some issues and some wounds. You better believe when I was seven and eight years old and I saw other little boys' moms taking care of them and I thought to myself, my mom didn't even want me. She walked away. What must have been wrong with me or my sister or us? Like, ah, I had deep bitterness 
and core insecurities in my life. Now, thankfully, God brought a stepmom into my life. Hello, stepmoms. Some of you guys are amazing. And she did a really great job mothering me, caring for, caring for me. It was wonderful. However, that hurt, that wound of my mom disappearing never went away. And if I were sitting around waiting for the day that I stopped being hurt by that decision, then I would never get to the point that I could actually forgive her. Thankfully, when I became a Christian, when I was 17 years old, pretty soon thereafter, God started dealing with me about the unforgiveness that I had in my heart towards my mother, towards my father who didn't leave, but you know, there were other issues going on there. He really started to say, Daniel, you cannot ask me for forgiveness every single day and then turn around and ask for judgment, condemnation, retribution, whatever on them. Either they get what you get or you get what they get. That's how this thing works, okay? And so God enabled me to start to deal with the bitterness and the wounds and the unforgiveness. But I had to make a choice. This was not an emotion that suddenly hit me. I didn't wake up as a teenager and say, you know what, I'm not mad at her anymore. That, that moment didn't come for a very long time. It took forgiveness first in order to locate and find the freedom. In this passage, I want you to notice that when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Jesus' answer has no relation to how Peter feels, okay? He doesn't say, well, how do you feel? How many times do you think you should forgive them? Did they ask for forgiveness? Do you think they deserve forgiveness? His response has nothing to do with any of that because none of that really matters in the end. Forgiveness is a choice that you make. And I want you to understand that when it comes time to make that choice, you will not feel like making the choice. You're not going to want to forgive them. Everything inside of you is going to say, it is unfair. They still haven't answered for what they did. They've never even acknowledged how awful they were to me. They, they're living life as, this, as if this never happened. And yet I think about it every single day. You're going to say, it seems like they're getting away with something for me to give forgiveness to them. You're not going to want to do it, but it is a choice that you have to make. See, when we are hurt and wounded, when we're carrying around unforgiveness, we can rehearse the offense or we can release the offense, but we cannot do both. You can rehearse it again and again and again. My ex did this and he did that. Then he did that. Remember when that dude did that? You can rehearse it or you can release it, but you will not be able to do both. You have to choose freedom, forgiveness. It is a choice. So stop sitting around and waiting for the feeling of forgiveness to come because forgiveness is not a feeling. Now, freedom could be a feeling, but freedom comes from the choice of releasing, the choice of forgiveness. Now, again, I know you're saying, but Dan, listen, they've never apologized. They've never tried to make this right. They've never said they were in the wrong. So what am I supposed to do here? Like, I can't, I, I don't understand how this works. I want you to understand this. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. There is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation requires two parties. It requires somebody to come and say, I was wrong. You cannot reconcile with somebody until there is true repentance and acknowledgement on both sides. But forgiveness only requires one person. See, you're sitting around saying, oh, until I reconcile with them, I can't actually forgive them. That is a lie from the enemy. Forgiveness is a one-way street. Yes, reconciliation is a two-way street, but forgiveness is a one-way street. The only thing that's required for you to forgive 
is you and the help of the Holy Spirit. That's it. So please start with this understanding. Forgiveness is a choice. It's a choice you're not going to want to make. But if you begin to make it, then you will experience true freedom from the wounds that you carry around. Second thing I want you to know, and it's been up there for a while, so I hope you've been noodling it and processing it. Forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a process. Now, again, we don't think of forgiveness as a process. We think of forgiveness as an event. I choose today to forgive them. I'm just releasing it. And I am no longer gonna hold any grudges. I'm gonna forget it ever happened. I'm not gonna think about this anymore. And as Christians, part of the reason that we view it this way is because that's what God does for us. Hello, thank you, amen, Jesus, that God says that our sins are separated from us as far as the East is from the West. God promises us that the moment we repent and ask for his forgiveness, he says, I will remember your sins no more. God is perfect and he is able in an instant to forget, to forgive and to totally move on. I wish I could do that but I'm not God and neither are you. So rather than lamenting the fact that I can't do what only a perfect God can do, maybe I need to reorient my perspective so that I can set myself up for real success so that I can actually forgive and I can actually move forward. Stop thinking of forgiveness as an event and start thinking about forgiveness as a process. Here's the difference. If you only think of it as an event, what'll happen is today, for instance, God, the Holy Spirit's gonna bring somebody to your, to your mind at the end of the message and you're gonna say, okay, this is the person that I need to forgive. Today, God, I am releasing it. I am forgiving. I am making the choice. Today is the day. Mark in the sand. I mean it this time. And then Tuesday, they're gonna pop back up in your mind and you're gonna be like, oh, I can't believe they did that to me. I'm still upset. I'm still angry. And here's what'll happen. The enemy will say, well, then you must not have forgiven them really, because if you had forgiven them, then you wouldn't have any of these feelings anymore. See, if you think of it as an event, then the moment you fail to live up to the event, then you're gonna say, I guess I never really forgave them. And you're caught in this cycle that you could never get out of. But instead, if you think of forgiveness as a process, something that may begin today and it will continue for a long time in the future, then you can start to make steps. You can start to make strides in the right direction. You've got to think about forgiveness as a process and not as an event. When Jesus talks about forgiving in the New Testament, this is so good, you guys. When he talks about forgiving in the New Testament, the word construction he uses is not forgive once and done. The word construction he, use, he uses is something that happens and continues to happen into the future. It is you forgive them today and you're gonna continue to forgive them long into the future because it's a process. It is not an event. You will not be able to forgive somebody today, but you can begin to forgive somebody today. What if you began to forgive somebody today? And then on Tuesday, when the old bitterness and anger and hatred wells up inside of you, you can say, you know what? I've begun to forgive them. 
This feeling right here, this is totally normal. This is expected. I, they told me on Sunday I was gonna feel this way. This doesn't mean that I'm failing. It means I'm making progress because this is a new opportunity for me to forgive. How many of you guys understand? If you're gonna forgive somebody 490 times, it's gonna be a process, okay? It's not gonna be a one and done thing. You're gonna forgive them the first time and then they're gonna screw up the second time. Then they're gonna miss the third time. They're gonna miss the mark the fourth time. And you're gonna have to forgive them every single time. It is an ongoing process. It is not a one-time event. Don't let the enemy rob you of the progress that you can make today if you start to think of it as a process and not an event. I was 26 years old, and I was checking my Yahoo email account. And I got a weird subject line. And it said, hey, I think I'm your mom. 25-ish years in the future. I clicked on an email, and it was a story about a lady who walked away from her family when they were very young because of her own issues, abuse, substances, all that. She said, I know you must hate me. I probably would too, but I want you to know I'm here, and if you ever want to, I would love to get to know you a little bit better. Now you say, oh my gosh, Dan, wow. That must have been such a sweet moment. Like this is like the, the, the Dr. Phil reunion where like, you, you know, it's like, and welcome your biological mother to the stage. And we run and hug. And you know what? When I got that email, I got mad, mad. What's the point now, lady? I mean, seriously, after a quarter century, I'm grown, I'm married. Like, it's too late. You've missed the chance. You missed the mark so completely that I'm never gonna give you another shot. And then the Holy Spirit said, now, wait a second. We dealt with this about 10 years ago, bro. You said you had forgiven her. You said, you've been telling people, you know, it's just been hard. My mom left me when I was a little kid and it gave me a lot of issues, but through the power of Jesus, I've been set free. And the Holy Spirit said, were you lying? Wow. Oh, Jesus. No, wait, 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 wait. Like forgiveness, yes, of course, it's a good thing, but come on, you see this, right? Like not, not in this situation. Yeah, in that situation too. And so I had to work through it personally. And man, my mom and I have reconnected. We don't have the tightest relationship in the world. It's really only Facebook and phone calls. We've met a couple times in person. But can I tell you, I know personally, forgiveness is a choice and forgiveness is a process. That people are gonna continue to let you down. They're not always gonna be what you think they're gonna be. And if you think of this only as an event, a one and done thing, then you are going to feel like a failure real, real soon. And once you feel like a failure, you're going to give up trying to forgive. Forgiveness is a process, okay? Now, before I share this last principle, it's the last one. Before I share it with you, uh, I, I want to read. Uh, so in the Gospels, okay, the different Gospel writers, they will include uh, summaries of the things that Jesus said and did. So in some gospels, they'll go into more details, like this person said this, then Jesus said that. And in other places, because they have a different aim or a different goal, they'll say, okay, so Jesus taught on forgiveness and then this happened, okay? So in, in Luke chapter number eight, uh, 17, rather, sorry, uh, he summarizes the things that Jesus taught about forgiveness. And you're gonna see a lot of parallels between Matthew 18. How many times should I forgive somebody that sins against me? Seven, no, 70 times seven. You're gonna see a lot of parallels here, okay? And it could be that actually Jesus gave this teaching earlier 
and Luke records it, and then Peter heard it, and so later he goes up to, to Jesus, and he's like, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times, because he remembered that Jesus had said this in Luke 17, verses three through five. Jesus said, if someone sins against you, rebuke them. Now, there's a fancy theological word. Let me tell you, the word rebuke simply means let them know. That's it. If somebody hurts your feelings, if they wound you, there's nothing wrong with communicating that. We talked about it last week. Part of healthy conflict resolution is communication. If someone sins against you, rebuke them. When they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times a day, there's that seven number, and seven times they come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Now watch what the disciples say in response. If somebody sins against you seven times a day, then you need to forgive them seven times. If they sin against you 490 times, you need to forgive them 490 times. And in response, the disciples cry out to the Lord, increase our faith, increase our faith. See, the apostles are highlighting something here that you need to know. Forgiveness is an act of faith. Forgiveness is an act of faith. It is a choice, it is a process, and forgiveness is an act of faith. We think of forgiveness as an act of strength. Oh, you know, she really did me wrong. But you know what? I'm a strong person, and I can just let it go. It rolls off my back. I'm not like these weak people out here that sit at home and they cry about everything. No, I'm a strong person. Or we think of forgiveness as an act of grace. So we're, we're Christians and we'll couch it in all these spiritual terms. And we're like, you know, I'm just gonna give them grace in this situation, okay? That's what God did for me. It's the right language, it's the wrong heart. Forgiveness is not an act of strength. Forgiveness is not even an act of grace necessarily. It is primarily, from our perspective, an act of faith. We have to have God's help. You have gotta have the Holy Spirit working in your heart to forgive, to release to be able to walk in freedom. You cannot do this on your own. On your own, you might be able to forget. You might be able to bury the pain. You might be able to ghost somebody, but to truly forgive, and hey, if we go the extra step to reconciliation, which isn't always possible, but if we wanna go that extra step, it is going to require the work of the Holy Spirit because ultimately it's an act of faith. The disciples didn't say, give us more strength. They said, give us more faith. They didn't say, give us more grace. They said, give us more faith. Forgiveness is an act of faith. I told you earlier that forgiveness is a choice, but that really wasn't the whole picture. Let me give you the whole picture. When it comes to forgiveness, you make the choice, but it's God who makes the change. You make the choice, but it's God who makes the change. You choose, and then you say, God, I know where I wanna go, but I cannot get there on my own. So I'm asking your Holy Spirit to have his will and way in my heart. I'm gonna yield myself. I'm gonna submit myself. I'm gonna say no to my pride, no to my anger, no to my bitterness, no to my insecurity. I'm gonna allow the Holy Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do in my life because forgiveness is in the end an act of faith. How do you forgive? You start to change the way you think about forgiveness. It is a choice, not a feeling. It is a process, not an event. It is an act of faith, not an act of strength. So here's what I want to do. I want to walk you through this, and I want you to apply it to your own life. Because I don't know what you're going through. 
I don't know who you're upset and angry with. I don't know who's wounded you and hurt you. Just like many of you didn't know my mommy issues, okay? I can't speak to the specifics, but the Holy Spirit will speak to the specifics in your own life. So the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna identify the offense. That means identifying the offender. Who are you carrying around unforgiveness and bitterness with? And hey, if you're watching us online, don't think that you're exempt just because you're separated by a camera lens. This is for everyone. Who are you holding offense and unforgiveness towards? Maybe somebody in your life right now could be somebody long ago. Might be somebody you're related to, could be a troll online. I have no idea who it is, but I do know that you're holding on to unforgiveness with someone. You say, no, not me. The Holy Spirit's not really bringing anything to mind. God, give them ears to hear because you've got these people. So identify the offense. I mean, who? I'm not gonna give you the microphone, but if I did, you should be able to say, it's my uncle and I can't tell you what happened, but it's bad. It's my boss and I have to see him every single day. Who are you angry with? Identify the offense. Then we're gonna choose to forgive regardless of how we feel. We're gonna choose. It is a choice. You are going to start to say, I forgive them. I release them. And you're gonna be like, I'm lying. God knows I'm lying. This ain't true. I don't forgive them. It's a process. It's not an event. So I'm gonna choose to forgive today. And I'm gonna choose to forgive tomorrow. And I'm gonna choose to forgive for decades if that's what it takes until I can finally walk in freedom. Then you're gonna declare that forgiveness day in and day out in prayer. Every single day, every single time you see their face and you're like, oh, you have such a punchable face. I would love, I would love, that's a good insult, by the way. I would love to just give it to you, okay? You're gonna say, nope, I am choosing to forgive them. Not, I gave them a long time, but I forgave them a long time ago. I shouldn't feel this way. No, no, no. I am choosing to forgive them. Again, today, choosing to forgive. And then you're gonna draw close to God. You're gonna draw close to God. You're gonna work on developing closeness and intimacy with your heavenly father. You are gonna grow spiritually and that is going to free you emotionally. You are going to allow intimacy with your heavenly father to give you purity in your relationships with the people around you, even when they are not treating you very purely. If you were to follow that process, you would start to begin to forgive and walk in freedom look, man, there may need to be some counseling that's involved. There may need to be some, uh, what's the word when you get in a room and you sit across from somebody and you're like, hash it out. Was it? Thank you. There may need to be some mediation. I'm not telling you these are the only steps, but these are the steps that you can start taking today. So listen, I'm just going to ask you, there's like, I don't know, 15 people in a room today. Okay. So like, there's not that many people that's even going to see this. If you are saying to yourself, Dan, this is speaking to me right now. And I just want you to pray for me this week that I would be able to start to put some of these in practice. Would you just slip your hand up so I know who's serious? So I know who really needs some help here? A few of you guys, thank you for your honesty. And the rest of you, I pray that even though you didn't raise your hand in this moment, you would continue to walk this out in the days to come. Father, I pray for each of us that we would choose to forgive out of love and grace for you and what you've done. I pray, God, we would not buy the lies of the enemy or even our culture on what forgiveness really is. Allow us to take our truth and our cues from your scripture. And God, may your word and your spirit set us free today. It is time to release the offense. It is time to walk in freedom with the spirit. 
And God, by faith, we declare it over ourselves today. In Jesus' name, amen. 